Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Welcome to Twisting the Wind. So, happy to have on the deck of the darkness. Happy to have you here. I'm happy. I'm happy to have you inside of this guzzling box. Welcome to my guzzling box. So, so dreaming to have you in this window here. Ooh, that was a really quick little breezy intro there, wasn't it? That was a fast one. That was a slick jack. That was a hot buddy. That was a dig deep down and get it out before you get it back in again. Don't you know what I'm saying about the ho <laughs> ho? So, this is Twisting the Wind. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. <sighs> Deep breath there. Deep breath. Let it let the air get in those lungs. And you just know that you're listening to Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. That's me coming at you here, not through an instrument mic, not through an SM57 instrument mic typically used to mic drums or to be used by beatboxers because it's got that real percussive pop ability. No, I'm fucking, when we didn't have a mic, we wrapped on headphones, okay? This is the lowest, highest, fiest podcast that you ever fucking dipped your deep little ears into. How dare I? How dare I use a headphone for a mic? You got people getting these fucking Neumann ribbon mics. I don't know if that's even a thing, but ribbon mics are a thing. Neumann mics are a thing. We got people spending thousands. We got hundreds. We got thousands. We got millions. Millions and millions. And I'm using fucking these headphones I bought from Ben Charbonneau for half of the original price. These are some Sony, these are some Sony, <laughs> old Sony headphones. About, how old are these fuckers? These are about 15, 16 years old, maybe. Still work great, baby. 
and they're being used as a microphone right now. It's what we call reversing the polarity for you. Reversing the polarity for you. Oh, who do you want a problem with? I do a problem with you. Alakasakapana on you. What does that mean? You said you want Alakasakapana on me? Alakasakapana on you. Oh, I put a hearse on you. Curse on who? I want to do poo-poo inside of your boo. Ooh-hoo. Ooh-hoo-hoo. That was the best rap you're going to hear all day. And spontaneously, so... I think that's a sample from some shit that's in my brain. But either way, thanks for being here on Twisting the Wind. I got a lot of joy right now to say out into the world here on this reverse polarity experience. I got these fucking other headphones that are... The plastic is crinkle crackling. What the fuck is up with that, huh? It's like... It's like... Ugh, disgusting. Either way, a lot of joy. Um, this podcast has been... Extremely delayed. That's okay. That happens sometimes, okay? Things come up. A little something called Summer Boys Do It Tour came up, and I thought I was going to be able to, to blast this one out on the road. Didn't happen. That turned out to be a very strenuous uh, week and a half. A very outstanding, strenuously strenuously outstanding week and a half. Thank you for, for you. You made it good. You did it. You did it good. I'm talking to you right now. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at that fucking uh, uh, maybe 19-year-old guy who uh, approached me in the uh, Heaven Gallery in Chicago. I mean, what a what a who knew that that was that I was tapped into the youth here. I didn't know I was tapped into the youth movement here. But thanks for listening, you. I'm forgetting all these names, but all I want to say is thank you so much for all the people who came out. All the all the twisting the wind fans who came out to the shows, they were all resounding successes. Oh man. Oh man, it was just fucking outstanding. Milwaukee Milwaukee the Underground Comedy Collective there is great. Go check that fucking place out. It's outstanding. It's incredible. Man, they have a great new thing going on there. Also, Madison was great. Jesus Christ, some great podcast fans came. I feel like such a fucking idiot saying, talking like this. Some great podcast fans came out there to that show. But seriously, every single one, every single show, I was greeted, I believe, with a, uh, with a, with a, with a genuine TTW fam person. And that means more than anything. Because that's like a thing where, um, if you, if you're, if you're coming for that, you get it. You get it so much. It's like you just... I don't even have to even say it. I don't even have to... I ain't have to say it. I ain't have to say it. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to say it. No saying. I am saying. I am saying. I say it. I say it. I say it. Thanks so much. Seriously, fucking thank you. I'm really sorry I had to cancel those last two dates. For those of you who are trying to go see me in Houston or Austin, Texas, that was a sad thing, but a good thing. Had to. I'm working on this a new film, a new film directed by uh, Mark Polish of the Polish Brothers, who've made a lot of great films. So it's pretty exciting to be to to do, be working with that. Working with this guy Andy Garcia. He's an actor. Uh, some other people in there too. So that happened, and uh, that's just how it goes, though. It's it's terrible, but it's also a nice thing because it's always well, it's it's classic case of a good problem, 
I think a lot of times people tend to think of something as a problem when it's just a good problem. Life is a problem, right? That's what Sister O.M. Terrell taught us. Maybe taught, maybe did teach us? I think they teach, they, she taught us. Either way, um, that, that good problem happened, and I really wish I could have made those shows because they were going to be great because those are two fucking amazing cities, especially Austin. And you know what, especially Houston too, okay? Houston's a big old place. It's a big old fucking place. And uh, what well, Dicker was going to come on down there and probably... Dicker knows he's a big boy, but he's going to come on down there and pull around for a little bit. I'm not talking about penis. I'm talking about a guy I know named Dicker. He's a big boy. Got a big old ponytail on the back there. Dicker's a good boy. So understand me now. Understand me now when I say I'm sorry. I'm sorry from the deepest part of sorry gets it. And I don't know. I'm, I'm fixing to make it up. Maybe in the wintertime when it's not quite so hot down there. But I regardless, had a good old time tripping down sideways, slipping back and forth all the way down to when I had to fly out of the airplane in Austin, Texas. <laughs> so thanks. So so like what I'm saying is like, thanks, bro. Uh, number dose on the agenda. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Go to whatever your thing is to do that and you do that. Click subscribe in your iTunes download menu portion button and subscribe. So that way it keeps the TTW. I look, look. I know we're having a heck of a time getting water to you guys, and I've had a heck of a time of keeping this on the weekly basis. But you know what? What twisting the wind lacks in regularity, it makes up for in content. Wouldn't you say that's the case? If maybe sometimes this PK aka podcast actually pc but that's a whole other thing that's like a personal computer or maybe like politically correct this poka this poka this poka this poka this pocas this odd cat odd cat odd cat ass po if we don't have the regularity we got the content Undeniable, microphone satisfiable content. This episode is no, it's just no abandonment from that content, that commitment to content whatsoever. So subscribe, please rate and review the podcast. That's simple to do. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's simple to do. You know how to do it. If you've probably already done it once, so do it again and again and again. Tell your friends about it. Tweet about it. Blog about it. Facebook about it. Tumblr about it. Pinterest about it. Um, do like a lookbook about it. Do a um, uh, flash journal uh, about it. Do a um, a uh, uh, triple X dot com um, comment section about it. I don't know. Just, just, just let, let the world know. Cause you gotta, you gotta shine that light, so to speak. As the Christians say, you gotta shine the light for the Jesus. Shine light for the Jesus. I don't know if I told the story on the podcast before, but one time, I used to have a long joke. I used to have a joke about this in stand-up arenas, but it's not really a joke, but it is a joke. There's this lady who used to ride the train a lot, the LA Metro train, which is a great thing. You hear people talking shit about the LA Metro. That's because they don't fucking go on it. It's great. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It it could go some more places. You know what? But so could you, idiot. So could you. (laughs) I never thought about that before. That's a great fucking comeback. Oh, the the Metro doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, well, guess what? Neither do you, fucking idiot. Okay? Where do you go? 
What do you go to fucking Trader Joe's at 5.30 on a Friday? Now make the God, most goddamn fucking shit fuck traffic fuck shit shit cock block block blast in the whole world? Yeah, yeah, make a, make a right into the post office. Don't park even half a block away. Okay, now we're, we're, I digress. <laughs> the Metro's good. It's fun. It's clean, uh, safe, all kinds of good stuff. But that doesn't matter because that's just super LA-centric and um, bel- I'm not belaboring the point. I'm beside the point. But I will get off. I will get back on the point. I've, I'm going to get off beside it and get onto it and belabor it. I'm just going to fucking beat it down to the death. I'm going to screw it into the ground and beat it with a with a dead horse. You know, this, some people say uh, I beat a dead horse, but other people say I beat uh, beat you with a dead horse, which is... That's just fucking taking it to the extremities of the extreme, or the extreme of the extremities, which is like the fingertips. So back here at the fingertip at the moment, I'm blasting in the metro, and uh, I'm by myself. And this is a lady I see a lot. She's like a little, probably, I'm, not, I'm guessing she's South American. I used to always say that she was Guatemalan or El Salvadorian. I don't know why. Sometimes you just think something and you allow it to be the case in your head, and that's the case. She probably was, who knows, but she was definitely a Hispanic lady. Very short, probably under five feet at least. And she used to wear like either all white. She Sometimes she'd have like lace over her head. She'd like wrap it over her head. She'd sit there in a subway seat and kind of like be like mumbling to herself and stuff. And she would kind of shuffle around, kind of scary, like almost like a giant spider, kind of shuffling sideways. And you know how when Princess Leia, when she sees the uh, the stormtroopers coming and she turns off the, the projection, the, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And she looks left and then she turns it off. She kind of moved, she kind of dressed like that and she also kind of moved like that. And this weird stoop, she stooped down, you know, and she's she's shuffling, kind of that like wary, uh, someone's watching me shuffle kind of thing. And she was uh, a, basically a half lunatic, you know, as as public transit tends to, Public transit finds them. Do they find public transit, or does public transit find them? Either way, either way, it's a match made in heaven. The 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 lunatic and public transit, and I think that's great. I'm not saying that in derogatory sense, as I like I I tend to enjoy lunatics when they're not spitting on me or brandishing machetes. So I'm all down for a good a good public transit lunatic. So this lady. I've had my I've had friends who've had like aggressive run-ins with her, where she just kind of like comes at them and is saying spouting stuff about Jesus. But one time, on the metro, she's walking up the stairs with me. I'm going back home. I live downtown, and this is where the where the metro. It was very convenient for me to ride it there. Why the fuck did I say that? Uh, just so you know, it was very convenient for me to ride it there. But she's walking with me, and she like looks at me. I, I don't know if she's... I can't remember the exact words, but there was some sort of a connection made, a very calm connection. She asked me a question about myself, and I, I answered truthfully. Something simple, maybe like, you know, what's my name or something like that, or how old am I, or some, something real basic information. She goes... She takes that in. She goes, oh, great. And then she looks at me real intensely. She says... She says, um... You have to... <laughs> let me see if I can get this right. Shine the light for the Jesus, Okay. Do that, do this. Shine, you must shine the light. Shine the light for the Jesus. And she said it way more intensely and, uh, fiery than I said just then. Not fiery, but just, you know, she was looking right in my soul there. I felt like I had this weird lunatic space traveler who just tapped in somehow. And I know she 
could be super annoying to people and just terrible, kind of even like thinking, I think she's done some shitty stuff to people maybe, you know, aggressively so. But at that moment, there was like this total connection of sorts. And I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a Christian in, in any traditional real sense, but what she said was this thing where it really like resonated with me because even if you're not Christian, that does make sense to say that you want to to shine the light. You know what I mean? You want to sh- take take the good thing, you take the good thing you got and shine it out there into the dark corners of your personal universe and illuminate them with your quality. With your quality goods. Oh, wow. I should not be a preacher, huh? I should not be a Christian, Catholic, uh, whatever, Lutheran preacher. But she's right, though, you know? Shine the fucking light. Maybe it's not for Jesus. Maybe maybe not shine the light for Jesus, but we all know that Jesus is kind of a amorphous term for the universe or whatever you want to call it. Um, When I say we all know, I I mean like, wink, wink, we all know, twisting the wind, whistling this. Yeah, something like that. I don't even want to tell that story. I just think that's a that's a great thing to think about shining the light. So let it be told here unto for the the Athusians spoke brack for Zarathustra three sixteen when Matthew, John, Luke, and Mark came down. The Christ, the Etruscans said to thee, He who is unfolded like a piece of Parchment shall be therefore an abomination unto the Lord unless he does write off, a, unless he does sign a W-9 and submit it to the Etruscan effusions, therefore be had. And you can, you can actually negate all that just by shining your light. Shine your light. Shine the light for the Jesus, okay? Or maybe just shine the light for anything. Don't do it for Jesus because he's sort of an amorphous concept that's very old and maybe not that applicable to your life or maybe even applicable in the sense where it conjures up extreme negativity due to the small-minded, uh, small-mindedness of, of Christians who preyed on your all sorts of things and did bad things to you so don't don't do that don't maybe don't don't maybe don't shine the light for it to jesus maybe just shine the fucking light to shine the fucking light okay so that's what i mean you get it <laughs> i really have so much more i want to say about tour the tour with josh fadum amazing comedian josh goddamn, he's a funny guy i mean there's a lot of people who are funny out there. They are. He is, uh, he is a fucking hilarious he's a, guy. He is. I mean, consistently. Yes. Great guy. Yes. Okay. So. How you doing? Here we are. Uh, picking up where I left off, where I left off, where we just were, which actually isn't even a pickup. It's just a continuation. This is a great episode of the Twisting the Wind podcast. It's a supremo. I'm going to talk more about the tour stuff later in other episodes that are coming. I got a lot of, a lot of fucking hot Judy's, some big old granddaddy, big old granddaddy spray boys, some, some definite, some definite, some type of a definite, definite big guy stopping in. Yeah. Did I say definite enough? Enough. Enough. I said it way too many times. I said yeah. it too many times. Yeah. But that's the thing. I'm going to get into it Nicodemus Dodge style with yeah. a hot new yeah. super great microphone. I'm going to just recount some tales, uh, say some thanks, and just yeah. all that sort of blast outs and everything like that. Yeah. So, 
um, that's the case. But now, let's move forward into the now, to the current, into where we are, to the real. Really put some paint on the GD walls, as they say, back where I came from. This guest is outstanding. I'm really freaking, freaking, why am I saying freaking? Nobody knows. Doesn't matter. You know what's happening right now? We're getting to that point where it's it's just, it's starting to, starting to leak. Yeah, it's starting definitely. to drip out a bit, and we just got to step into the thing that was pre-programmed. We spent all this time Listen, you spent all you spent all this time programming it, so you might as well get into it right now, buddy. Sew it up already. Sew it up. You might as well get into it right now, buddy. Okay, I've had enough of this. Enough of this for one day. Those are just mouth beats. Understand me. Those were just some terrible mouth beats. And now I present to you the main body of Twisting the Wind featuring the incomparable, the genius, the multiverse traversing Jake Weissman. 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 Oh, Jason. Let's just check here. We'll do a level test. Uh, boots. Boots. Danielson. Danielson. Crabs. Crabs. Cash. Cash bar. Cash bar. Anal retention. Dad. Dad. Hey, anal retention dad. I am having fun <clears throat> right now. Let me ask you two questions. How okay. long do you think we'll talk for? As long as we want to. Probably about an hour. Will I be able to, if I really have to pee in the middle, yes. we, do we can take a break? Yes. There's no like, this is a kind of thing where, um, since we are recording right now, that what you just said will be a part of it. That's okay. going to be the intro. And also, there's no there's no hiding here. There's should, no like... Uh, should I explain why I said that then? Yeah. I have had for, because I turned 31 <laughs> yesterday. Ooh, and I only congrats. say that I since that. I was like 14. So I've been thinking a lot about how many years. So since I was mm-hmm. like 14, I've had almost a psychotically bad bladder. Like really? I almost say it's disability level. Wow. I don't want to take away from people with real disabilities, but right. it's a thing where I have to go several times an hour every hour. Wow. It's like a constant thing in my life all the time. Um, and so I always have to worry about it whenever I enter a building. Oh, I get it. I know where all the bathrooms are. Mm-hmm. I know you have some stuff too. It's not oh, yeah. paying, but yeah, but it's like, I know exactly where the bathroom is within minutes of being there and no one else is even thinking about it. I have the exact same thing. I used, I don't have it anymore so much because now that I've had a, because you know, I have, I mean, it's a whole long thing, but I had my colon removed because I had colitis for a long time. But when I had colitis back when I had the colitis, it was a lot of urgency and the urgency breeds a very Sort of a, a bathroom spidey sense. Yes. Yes, that's learned, a great way to put it. I learned to find bathrooms so fast by like looking for things like uh, water fountains, obviously, because that's, you will look for that wet wall where you know the plumbing mm-hmm. is, and chances are if you see one, something that indicates there may be a water 
outlet or inlet, you're probably close to a bathroom. And and what's funny, I wonder how you got with this because I mean we have different we have different issues. But for me, what I get all the time is when you like, say me, you mean Jake Weissman. Jake Weissman, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> I like doing the soft intro. Uh, uh, so yes, when you say you, Jake Weissman, well, people are constantly like. Did you even pee? That was so fast. Okay. Because I've perfected the science. I've done it. It's like I've done my 10,000 hours at peeing. <laughs> and so like I can pee so fast. And it's 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 not that I have so much more liquid in my bladder right. than other people. It's just that I, I just have a different kind of like sensation. I need to pee. And it can be a very tiny amount or it could be a lot. Yeah. But I can just get it out very fast. I know how to get I know how to get through it immediately. <laughs> it's like it's almost like. It's just like a a thing that I've gotten used to. I don't need, it's like not even enjoying pee. It's just like relieving liquid yeah. getting out of my body. That's how I am with. Uh, what's the, that's how I used to be at least with pooping, where it was a thing where I could poop so fast because I had to go so fast. So, so what's going on? So I know you had the colon move, but what what does that mean now? It means basically I traded in urgency for. Uh, I don't know. Really we trade anything in. I don't have urgency now, so now it's not a thing where I've I've got time. Because there's that the colon is not there; it's gone. So, so what do you have moved. instead of a colon? I have they have something called a J pouch. It is a uh, they take the ending of your small intestine and they God, I'm trying to think how to describe this. They uh, take the ending of the small intestine and they fold it back on itself like the last I don't know six inches maybe. And they create like like a J, you know how like a like a J works, like know? like the first letter of our names, maybe. <laughs> yes, maybe. So that's why it's called the J pouch. But this is just one of many things. But they 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 fold it back on itself and they they sew it together. Or sometimes some some surgeons staple. This, it's a personal preference. Mine was a sewer. He's old school mm-hmm. French Canadian. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and then they create at the bottom of that J, like where the J would be sitting on the dotted line if you're writing in middle school. That J connects up to the anus. So they put a little hole there and it connects up to your anus and it becomes your new rectum. Because the rectum, people a lot of times will confuse rectum and sphincter and anus, but your right. rectum is actually like the last little bit of, it's like the uh, the loading dock, so to speak. Got it. Where the anus is the is the door. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. So, And is your life way better now? Yeah, I'd say it's much better. It's significantly better. It's also one of those things where it's kind of hard to even figure it out because I had it from such from such a young age that right you don't really know like how long have you been peeing frequently? I mean, at least seventeen years. Yeah, so it's a thing where it's yeah. just it's part of your life, right? People are like, oh, mm-hmm. that must suck. I mean, first of all, people have way worse things, of course, oh, yeah. all the time. But it, it is recently I realized, oh no, this is a disability at this point, like yeah. a, a small one, but it is. It's just so constant. It's right. all the time. It also, I don't know how the colitis was for you but for me it like takes away enjoyment from a lot of things oh, i can't really enjoy movies as much i can't yeah. enjoy sex i i basically every second of every day i feel i either have to really pee or a little bit have to pee like mm-hmm. every second i can finish peeing and then literally less than 10 seconds later it's like oh should i be again should i do it because i have to walk back down the hall and then i have to get up and like wow. when i yeah when i like because i whenever i have jobs like all sorts of different jobs if like the bathroom's near me great job yeah but, the, but it could be like a wonderful <laughs> i could get like a writing job or something and then i have to go like down a floor for the bathroom no, like no i gotta good. quit i think i have to quit this is a nightmare yeah i definitely experienced that same thing before i had the uh surgery it was a thing where just bathroom 
uh, movies are a nightmare. Movies, uh, road trips. Oh, ro- that's the thing, especially road as a comic. You, you feel bad. You're like, listen, I'm sorry I have this thing. I can pee in a bottle if you want, but I'd really... Also, I think when you pee so often or you, you go to the bathroom mm-hmm. so often, because also the urine affects my, like, the bowels as well. Like, there's just a weird system going they're, on They're for connected. Me so you just feel weird and self... It's very personal and it's like yeah. a whole thing and uh, it's very bizarre. Do you, have you ever seen a, a professional about it? Yes. When I was, like, 14, when it first started happening... Mm-hmm. Um, I went to see a lot of urologists in the okay. tri-state area. That's Had a, lot a great of, name, too. Urologist. Yeah, urologist, right? Yeah. But um, urologist sounds like you would, like, search for minerals or something like that, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, I guess that's kind of what it's like. But anyway, um, the, I, I would have catheters put up my dick and all that stuff. Yeah. I remember when, Jeez, if you ever have man. a catheter, if you ever have catheter, a catheter yeah. in your, you've had it, yeah, it's penis. funny when you take the catheter out, you, you pee vapor. Like you, like when I you try to pee, that. like the first, cause it's like weirdly backed up. So you feel like you're peeing, but it's like, you hear like, fsh, 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 Ooh, I don't and then remember you that, man. Well, big, I remember big just, for me. I remember just, uh, it being a thing where if, cause I, it went in when I was in, was asleep. So I didn't experience it going in. Oh. So I only experienced it being taken out. When it was taken out, it was just like. It's just such a weird, something oh, I, a sword I was out awake. of a wound. Oh, okay. I was awake when they put it in, is which it is painful? a horrible. Yeah. I mean, definitely. It's not the Ah. most painful, but of course, I mean, think about it. Like, think about that slip. I actually still have nightmares sometimes. Mm -hmm. I still have like, well, daymares really where I imagine something entering my penis. Like a kandiru? My, yes. You know about that shit? That's like uh, William Burroughs writes about that in Naked Lunch and other people talk about it. It's like a, it's a, uh, it's a Brazilian fish. Yes. I think Ian Carmel has a joke about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's also, it's also not true. It's never happened to anyone. The thing is for me is that one of my greatest fears Mm -hmm. as a kid, I think that it came from the catheter thing was I was always really worried that if I were naked outside in the summer, a mosquito would beat (laughs) the top of my penis, would would beat, would bite (laughs) the top of my penis and it would like mosquito bite over my penis and I wouldn't be able to pee. So I'd pee in words and I thought I would implode. I thought about this constantly. I had a bunch of mosquitoes swarm my penis once while peeing in the woods in Minnesota soda in the summer i was so scared i was i was peeing we stopped on the side of the road had to get out and i ran into the woods there and peed and all of a sudden i was just enveloped in this cloud and it was mostly so i was like moving around like oh god it's it was frightening i don't yeah. think i got bit but very near very near did oh, so this urologist do they say what is there a name for this there isn't. No one can figure it out. Couldn't figure That's it the out. thing. No figure it out. And then after a while, I go. I don't want to go to any more urologists. I'll just live with this stupid thing. Right. And it's just kind of like a thing now. I I don't think it's diabetes. I think I would know by now. No, it's um, not diabetes. But, diabetes is different. But I think that it's just a thing. I think what happened is I got very sick. Mm-hmm. Well, I I would get sick a lot as a kid, and so what kind of sick? Like just, just like colds and flus fever? and beaten down. <laughs> yeah, just like AIDS and cancer yeah. and like um, all that stuff. And then. I get really sick and my, you know, you're, the cold can get into your bladder and so you just start peeing a lot. Uh-huh. And then if you, it lasts a while and you don't untrain it, you're fucked. You're just bladder. It's like, I just pee a lot now. Right. Cause it's size, it shrinks. You can, you can expand your bladder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever tried that? I did. And then I oh. just like, I, it's so painful that I, it's just so, I have to pee so badly yeah. that I just don't want, want to go through it. So it's just, it's here now. That's it. That's, that's a thing. But it's fine. I feel like everyone has at least one thing and mm-hmm. that's not that bad comparatively. Right. Also, so many things are so uh, mentally attached, especially with regards to any type of evacuations. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how true this is, but uh, how to, <laughs> that's a great way to preface something. <laughs> I don't know how true this is, but uh, I know there's some, to some extent, placebo plays like Maybe uh, almost a seventy percent role in 
problems of a digestive nature. I would believe that. I yeah. would believe I could be hypnotized out of this it almost. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, or it's a thing where it's something where you think, like this is an old saying, uh, this is an old saying, when your bowels relax, when you're relaxed, your bowels relax, which is true, because if you are stressed and, well, and you feel stress, it transfers to that part of your body. So it's a thing where if you can chill out, a lot of times those lesser bowel problems go away. And I even think about this to this day, because I had that surgery when I was pretty young and didn't know a lot about a lot of different, you know, options and things like that. Excuse me, pardon me. So I always want, I always think like, maybe I should have just tried to zen it away. But, right. Yeah, but too late now. I do wonder that. I do wonder, you know, when you get older, you get in your 30s, you know a lot of people who probably used to be cynical about it, start doing meditation yeah. and that kind of stuff. And, you know, when you reach a stage, you go, okay, well, I really shouldn't be cynical about this because I think it really does help a lot of people. What I wonder about, though is if I'll ever get there. To the point where you're not cynical about it? No, no, not I, I'm not cynical about it, but I right. wonder if I'll do it. Like okay. really commit, do yoga, do meditation. There we have you know, you have a lot of friends right. who were like used to be smokers, used to be drug addicts, yeah. used to be all sorts of depressed and they're like, it's time I take this shit seriously and I actually right. do the self help book stuff. I wonder how much I'll get there. Do you do any of that stuff? I do, I meditate. I try to meditate twice a day. Uh, I do transcendental meditation. I'm doing it for almost, um, I guess, a little, almost a year. Why'd you start? Because, uh, kind of because I wanted to, because I've always liked meditating and chanting and things like that, but I've never really gone full force or put everything into it. Like, I try, I experiment a little bit with uh, Nichiren Buddhism, which is, um, you chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. It's this uh, sort of a, a newer, relatively newer form of Buddhism. That's uh, Japanese from this monk Nichiren Daishonin, I think, because uh, my friend, my good friend Duncan, he um, he practices that that type of uh, Buddhism, and I I liked it a lot. But it's something where I don't know, I somehow some whatever reason I didn't get into it. I also tried um, other stuff, but I think it was a thing where uh, Brit found something from the David Lynch Foundation, like a because um, they teach transcendental mm-hmm. meditation. Cause he's a TM guy. And so we just basically signed up for this class because we were able to. And I think it's one of those things where anytime I have to do, anytime I have the opportunity to do something I want to do, and there's either some sort of commitment involved in it that forces you, because you have to pay money to learn how to meditate. So that's like a big thing. People talk shit about TM a lot. And I, I think that's to some extent, there's, there's, the, there's legitimate um, reason to say that. But this also at the same time, it's not that much money, and it's what what price do you put on learning a skill you use your entire life that has uh, limitless benefits, basically. So I know. So I figured if I if we if I pay money for something, then I'll stick to it, and that's basically how I got into meditating. Has it helped your life a lot? Significantly, I feel like yeah. Yeah. It's something where um, I I don't even know how to describe it, but I feel like it's something where. Yeah, it's helped a lot. And I think that not transcendental meditation isn't for everybody, but there's every, there's all so many different types of meditation that, that yeah, that there's something for everybody in terms of how that works. But I think it's I think it's great. I my only, my only regret as with most things, it's like I wish I had done this 
15 years ago. Right. But at the same time, I think everything kind of comes in at the... Yeah, when, it usually yeah. comes in when it should. It happens when you And when you don't ready, know yeah. where you'd be if that happened. You exactly. know, you might not even be doing comedy. You might be like, why look at the world that way? Uh-huh. Why not just, you know, you could just be like yeah. studying meditation in India or something right. like that. I mean, I, I, I think that too. I think about that a lot because I, I turned 31 yesterday. So it turned 30 a year ago. When you start reaching your 30s, you start thinking about, you reflect way more, you yeah. know? And I think you're usually happy happier when you're in your 30s anyway so you're just more like positively reflect like how you got here and everything and if you think about 30 or 31 you're like that's still relatively young to do oh, anything. it's very young yeah and even though it's it's when you're you're taught as a kid you, you're succeeding by 30 that's what you're taught right yeah it's it's, it's really wrong. drilled into you it's totally wrong i feel like it's the opposite actually i feel like that is when things start to happen because it takes a long time for things to get moving for me especially it's always i always have been slow to figure shit out like i think maybe i didn't listen to really hear the lyrics and music up until very recently right just because i don't know something in my brain didn't uh didn't didn't hear that yet i didn't even think about my place in the world or my identity as like a straight white man in the world. Right. I didn't think about that until the last few oh, years. Oh yeah, me too. I, mean, I always try to be nice, but like recently I was like, oh wow. Like, because I think what I, and this is obviously a big political thing that's happening now and part of the zeitgeist, but like, I didn't even think about the fact that all the time people are viewing me mm-hmm. as a straight white man. Right. And they're seeing <laughs> me as having the most privilege possible. Right. And, and that's fair and fine. I just never even thought about it. It mm-hmm. just, I was like, no, I like everyone. What's the difference? I don't care. But I was like, oh no, like I am being afforded more things right. recently. I should be very aware of it. And you know, it's really interesting. It's like, you know, some people say like, well, I'm not racist, so I can say whatever I want. Right. I, you know, I can say certain words or bad right. words. It's like, no, you can't. Because what's weird about living in this kind of culture is like, there's all these bizarre and very specific things that have happened where people feel the need, and rightfully so, to claim ownership of them because of the horrible things that have happened to them. Right. And I think it takes until you're like... If you're not someone who was shit on as a kid, like whether you were minority or gay or whatever it was, I mean, even if you're not, yeah, even it takes you a while to realize like, oh, that was happening for them all the time, constantly. And like, I think by the time you reach 30, you're like, oh, I I have to be nice to everyone constantly because everyone has been in some sort of pain. I think what's, I guess maybe what I'm saying is the kind of stuff that a lot of like white men go through when, when they're like. But when they reach 30, like they've been through their 20s and your 20s are your worst decade by far, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, maybe <laughs> it's, it's the worst, you know? And then yeah. by the time you're like, oh, and then you get knocked down a little, you go, oh, they've all been getting knocked down the whole time and yeah. I'm just getting knocked down. And so you become nicer, I think. Because you realize how small you are. Yeah. I think that's a thing. I realized at some point how I, it goes both ways. You realize how small you are, but also how limit, how infinite everything at least in terms of, I think through meditation, you've, I feel like I've found that. But it, it, they, there are two sides. I think I feel like they're part of the same thing. Is being, being tiny and being worthless is the same as being all powerful because your your uh, power comes from um, what's the word? Abdicating abdication of uh, how do you say it? It's something that has to do with effort. Or when you when you give when you give up. When you real, when you sort of give in, give up, and realize that you're a tiny, worthless person, like I, I think about people, like certain writers or certain actors or any, certain creative types who were 
very Im- impacted me significantly. And I think of how little they've impacted the world and how, how quickly history will forget even someone, even someone like Mark Twain. Maybe, maybe a hundred years from now, he will just be even like, barely revered it just be like, be like a blip you have like this one quote that's He's a trivia question right yeah and so it's the kind of thing where you have to, you realize that uh if the people you think are the absolute greatest are subject to the same forces of entropy and forget and able to be forgotten just as much as anyone else then nothing matters so why uh why be a dick <laughs> absolutely you know i would think you know this absolutely 100 yeah. um i think that the idea of acting locally or like politically, like I, I, I think of myself as a not very political person, but I realize actually that I am. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people view me as political, though I don't see myself as political. <laughs> um, but I think, but it's like that concept of acting locally is what everyone really needs to do. We yeah. need some people who can think nationally, obviously, but like you got to act locally. And essentially what acting locally is, is be nice and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially acting locally. If everyone right. were very, you know, like, like that, we would just immediately be way better but we can't do it yeah you can't realize most people are wildly unaware of how their minute actions can actually ripple huge even though you are unimportant it's all i don't know it all needs to work together yeah it's very interesting i think i you know what i've been doing since i reached 30 i that has been a very different change is like and not it's not tm but it's i think it's somewhat on the same level where like I will just literally walk down the street and I get this from actual therapy because I've been going to therapy for a long time. Mm-hmm. I will literally like even right now, like my fingers are together or uh-huh. class together. You can see that, right? Yeah. I just appreciate the feeling of my fingers being together. So you're tripping balls. Or yeah. <laughs> or like I'll pet my cat and yeah. I'll think about like all of evolution that led up to this moment where two species can live with each other and not eat each other. You right. know what I mean? And I'll look at my cat <laughs> and I'll think about all that stuff and I'll just slow down and actually experience moments. And then what's funny is that Actually, what I'm curious about is how has transcend- transcendental meditation affected your comedy? Uh, I don't know how it has. It's hard to say. That's one of those things where it's always hard to look at yourself because you can't look at your, you know, just to step aside is uh, difficult. I don't know. Maybe, I think it's made me help me in the sense of uh, caring less about my outcomes, not being being less outcome based with things and realizing that effort is the effort is like the worst thing and it creates effort creates problems in every arena especially creatively what do you mean effort effort like trying really like pushing trying it happens in acting we see some of the bad actors because they're trying to act they're they're pushing they're they're leaning forward as opposed to just being seated in the moment being themselves if you see someone who's a bad comic they're probably not unfunny they're trying too hard to be funny or they're trying to push something because um, I think it depends on the person, obviously. But I think for the, a lot of people, I tend to like performers I tend to like the most. It's when you're you're in the moment and you're talking about something because it's, gen- it's genuinely interesting to you and you're conveying your passion for the thing. That's like why you see people who are super energetic on stage or just really, really going after whatever they're talking about. And uh, it's because it's it's a passionate subject. So I think that when, when you have something, there's passion behind something as opposed to effort, because effort's outcome based. You want you try hard so you can get a get a lot of laughs, so people will respect you. So you'll get so you'll have um, adoration of uh, of, a, of a sexual nature or something like that. You you'll get something. But if you're doing 
if you're uh, doing it to do it and as opposed to doing it for the outcome, it totally flips it around or becomes a joyful experience as opposed to opposed to work. Do you feel as if, because I know that you've done pretty well the last few years. And like, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, what no, I mean I is your career has gone pretty well. Like I, I just knowing you as a friend. Right, right. Do you feel that's allowed you to come down in that way or allowed you to just experience moments more or does that have nothing to do with it? I think it has something to do with it, but it also has something to do with the opposite because anytime you get some type of uh, like six, anytime you get some type of success that's viewed by everyone's, oh, that, that's, that's a success. That, that's how you do it right there is it's something where it, it also creates more problems because it's a thing where you're you got there somehow but then your part of your brain wants to get back to that again and it, you can't just it doesn't work that way you don't just get to be doing um i don't know like a high profile film or something like that you don't get that way from trying to do that and i suppose you can some people do but i think if it is it's not happening because of that it's happening because of something that you're projecting that people like that uh and that's why they're that's why they want to work with you so you feel like it's almost like you're struggling to just be yourself constantly and figure out how to be yourself the best possible right to to go back to being how you how you were before you uh cared about i saw with kurt Braunler about this how about we're talking we had this comedy fest together um, and we were just talking about, I don't know, we were, t- we were talking about just something like, like this and saying how he was telling me how he remembers how happy he was when he first started doing comedy and had a day job and it was like really struggling. It was a lot of work and he wasn't making any money. He wasn't famous, but you're just, you're doing, you're doing these things just to do because you're for yourself because it's funny and stupid and it's something where you're not doing it for anyone other than yourself or someone you love. Which should be the same thing. You should love yourself, but I think that that's the hardest thing is to is to get to a point where is to stay at that point where you're still doing it for the right reasons and not to maintain the thing that happened from you doing it for the right reasons. What I find interesting about that is like I think if you get better at anything, I'll say comedy because we do comedy. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, so let's say you get better at comedy, right? Uh, usually, if you get better at comedy, you're becoming you've created a character that's kind of like an outsized version of who you are. Usually that is what a good comic is. It's not necessarily, sometimes some are wildly diamet, like almost diametrically opposed, but most people it's like, this is an outside version of you Mm -hmm. and you've learned how to do that in front of a lot of people. You've conquered a lot of different fears you've mastered or not mastered, but (laughs) essentially like you've really excelled at a lot of different things because comedy takes a lot of different things. What I find is that what I mostly want, I want to succeed at comedy for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that, I, when I was in my 20s, I started comedy when I was 26, and one of the reasons I started was n- I never started because I thought it was funny. That was the, almost the last reason okay. why I started. It was because I – one of the reasons was it, from 21 or 22, 26, the four years that I was out here before I started comedy, I every time I said something in a conversation, mm-hmm. there was a, a, a feeling in the back of my – oh, voices in the back of my brain going, you fucking idiot. You know <laughs> what the fuck? You're a phony piece of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no life experience. You're an idiot. You're a loser. And Ooh. so what comedy helped me do was just – and especially now in the last year where I feel like I'm more comfortable and I feel better at comedy. Mm-hmm. And what that has allowed me access to is when I talk to people off stage. Because I've been accepted on stage more, I can just feel more comfortable being whoever I am. And that's like a wild gift to me. Yeah. Like that's like a really interesting gift to be able to be like, you know what? Here's my thought about this thing. 
and I'm okay with saying it. Like right. I'm just more comfortable with being the man that I am. Right. And I feel like that's like the whole reason to do anything. I totally agree. It's a thing where you're doing it to do it and you should be okay with what, with who you are and what you said, because you can't really change that. But it's interesting. It's interesting. Like it's, it's, it's very, it's weird. I feel like, you know, when you're in a competitive industry, which I'm sure many industries are, if not all, there's like this way you, you line up against other people. Like you, oh, a comparison. You, you just can't help it. Even if you're not, you don't look at life that yeah. way. It's like this capitalistic thing. It's terrible. Your part, you have to, you have, you have to be savvy. You got to be a little bit capitalist to like play the game, you know, so you yeah. can do this thing for a living and really do it well and have fun. But it, it's very interesting to just be comfortable enough with yourself to exist and not and not cons and not go crazy because yeah that is the hardest thing i have serious problems with that and, I, and it's like a thing where you have to realize i think that it never goes away you just manage it and understand that it's a thing that's bad that's a big thing i, I know you probably talk about this in therapy all the time but i've talked about some in some therapy stuff where it's negative self-talk if you're like if you think you did something bad um that's the worst thing comes from when you're not allowing yourself to be to do something or think something bad. It's it's believing the negative thoughts as opposed to just having them. Like so, if I compare myself to someone who I'm comparing myself, my career to someone else's career, and their career is better in my in that comparison, and I know okay, I, I shouldn't be comparison could be shouldn't be comparing because it, it's inherently unfair. Nothing good comes of it, so I know it's bad. And I shouldn't. Be, there's two ways you can either beat yourself up for doing the thing, beat yourself up for comparing yourself, or you can be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this no matter what. I'm gonna compare myself. So just let, let it be an okay thing you've done, even though it's a bad thing you've done. <laughs> it's right. Like, does that make sense? I guess so. It's a thing where because I know I compare myself. So as long as I contextualize it, be like, okay, I'm doing this right now. It's bad. But don't feel worse for doing the thing that's bad. What is your vision? Do you know what your vision of success is? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's or a tough Or why one. you want it? I think it changes a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know sometimes why I want success. Yeah. it's a, that's, a, that's the weirdest thing about it. Yeah. It's just a thing where it doesn't... It changes all the time and it's a thing... Well, that's why... That goes back to comparison, how it's in, inherently unfair and how... One person's success. There's that saying. What is it about? Uh, it's it's like comparing yourself to someone is like comparing your speed with someone else in a traffic jam. And also, you're not going the same place. No one's going the same place. So, to think to compare your success or to think about success in with regards to someone else's is doesn't make any sense because they're literally a different physical being than you that is not gonna. You can't be the same. And who would want to be the same? But, yeah. This I, is all like me, like telling this stuff I tell myself. <laughs> it's so funny, like really to say this. Out. Yeah, it's stuff that, yeah, it's stuff I, I tell myself or I've read to help my brain feel better about that kind of stuff. Do you struggle with that though? Like totally, honestly, yeah. a lot. Yeah, like Not in so terms of self comparison. Definitely, yeah. Like I used to have a big problem with it. It would make me really depressed. Like I think about a year ago, I was I think I was talking to you actually. Yeah, I think, we've had conversations yeah. about this before. And I was like in a really shitty place. I wasn't. It was a terrible place, but I was definitely wallowing. And um, it's like, yeah, it's a shitty place to be. I think maybe that's what meditation has done more than anything is it's allowed, it keeps, it's like a buffer that keeps, you have, obviously you're always going to have low times and have moments of 
where your brain is doing bad things and making you feel bad. But I think meditation is like a buffer where it helps you not dip as low. And also, when you are feeling low, you can take a step back and be like, okay, it's just a moment in time. This is this way. Everything changes because it has to. So it's just temporary. It's interesting. What, I, what I've been working on in therapy this year, and I definitely think it's been the best year of my life so far, mm-hmm. it, not in terms of accomplishment or anything, right. but the, but although it's been nice and I'm happy about how things are going that way, I what has happened recently, my whole life has been an attempt to avoid pain. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I think most people go through it could be some people their whole lives. Oh, um, so you're a pussy. <laughs> I am a pussy. I am a pussy. You are, but you're like embracing it. No, but that's it. the, great. but that's the, that is the truth. But yeah. what, what happened recently was we realized like, oh, you just, you're just afraid of that feeling. And if you just let the feeling in, A, it's not going to be as bad as you think. And yeah. B, it's going to make you way stronger. Right. And I feel like recently this year, what happens is, although I'm way happier for a lot of reasons in my life. When a sad feeling comes or a bad feeling comes or I suddenly, sometimes I'll realize something I did from my past or something like that, I'll just have this horrible feeling and then I'll go, okay, you know what? It's probably going to go away. Let it in. Literally feel it in your body. Yeah. And just let it pass. Mm-hmm. Like it will pass. Let it go. You That is, it's like necessary fuel. Life can't just be great, 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 no. great. It's like, that's like eating only Honey Nut Cheerios. You know what I that's mean? That's like the big failure of the singularity, I think. as people who talk about... That, that's a whole other idea, but the whole idea of that being something, I think that's the inherent failure of it. It's just, there has to be, dyna- you have to have dynamics in any system, otherwise it fails. Absolutely. You know, when I was younger, I really think I had this view of the world for so long. It's like, and I, I thought this way about way even before I thought, oh, I'm going to try to go into show business. Mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, you made it and then you were happy, which is obvious. Yeah. A lot of people think that, but that is really up until maybe I was like, 28 kind of felt that way yeah i was like yeah well you make it and then your life is good your body just feels better (laughs) and then you get you you marry a hot person you have a lot of money and all your friends are really smart and rich and it's Uh great and then you donate charity and and anonymously and you can feel good about yourself and you have a house and everything and i and i (laughs) it's so funny i mean it's weird yeah and you think about someone like uh philip seymour hoffman who right you know that guy couldn't be more successful couldn't be more of a brilliant actor and shit, you're using heroin? You're yeah. going to use some heroin. And you're going to die from it? Uh-oh. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah. And, uh, I, I have finally reached the point where, although I really would like to make a career in comedy big time, like just as you do, I would love it. Right. I finally, now that I've done comedy for five years, which is not super long, but enough to know what it is. That's not... I, I thought you'd been doing it for a lot longer than that. I really did. But, you know, it just... If you, when you yeah. do it every day, it feels like you've been doing it forever. Right. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, this is my... But, like, no, I had a whole life before that. But I've now proven to myself, I totally want this, like, 100%, but for different reasons than I wanted. And now I realize I'm finally okay that if I don't succeed, then... I will be okay with it because it's still my life and it is just the path to get wherever I'm going. And I think that finally I'm okay with it. And that's a huge relief to me is like, cause you know, it's very attractive too. Like universally, that's a very attractive thing because that's what happens is, uh, when you don't, when you don't want and struggle and ask for stuff, the things that you are wanting tend to sort of show up because what, what you need will come to you regardless, especially if you're, seeking it through the the right way yeah i mean it's interesting it even comes down to talking about 
thinking badly about yourself. You were saying this earlier. My whole life... when I, Okay, so when I first came out to LA, I weighed a lot more than I do now. And there was like a... a I don't know, like a one year where I go, I'm going to lose weight. That's okay. what I'm going to do. I ate... I basically just ate lettuce and I <laughs> ran every day. I ran wow. a marathon. I mean, I just you was ran like, a marathon? I ran, I ran a marathon, Man. yeah. But it was like one of those things where this is all to lose weight. Let's get in shape. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You have that college, like you ate pizza for four years yeah. sort of thing going on. And so I did that. And uh, after that, I was like dating attractive women and I just didn't understand. I was like, what? Oh, I didn't know that that was possible. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I didn't realize for a very long time that I w- would be able to enjoy my life and get those things that I fantasized right. about. And then when you, it's amazing. Like, I feel like a lot of men, I, I, I can only speak for men on this. But, like, I'm sure women go through this, too. But, like, a lot of men just need to know that they're able to do things. Yeah. And a lot of times, they don't even want to do those things. But there's this weird competitiveness of youth that, like, men are taught, you know, like, men are taught to dominate. Yep. That's, like, that's at least how I feel it was at where I grew up. Right. And so, you're, oh, I got to bang a hot girl. I got to make a lot of money. I got to be smart. I got to do hot, this. Right? She's hot, right? She's hot? Yeah, you think she's hot? Yeah, you, even, you think she's hot. It's before, it's funny, it's like, when you're growing up, you're, like, taught, like... It's funny, when they're growing up, like, oh, Barbies teach unrealistic expectations to women of what they should look like. Absolutely. But they also, do, it's pretty stupid for men, too, because you go, oh, I guess I like blonde girls who are skinny yeah. with huge breasts. But then you get to the point where you get older, you're like, oh, I'm not even into, I'm not even into blonde women. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't like them. I don't, I mean, they have a great life, but I'm not into it. Yeah. And so you go, I didn't know I was allowed to have a different opinion. Uh, yeah. And some totally. people mature faster. And so you go, oh, I'm just into weird stuff. I'm into like... I'm into funny people. I don't mm-hmm. care what they look like. You know what I mean? I'm just like, if someone's funny, I like, I didn't even know I was allowed to have an opinion that was different. Yeah. It took me forever to realize that. I remember being in high school and liking this one girl and I liked her, but I, she wasn't like traditionally attractive. Right. I, I think I never did anything about it. But if I look back, if I was more mature, I would have been like, oh, I totally hit that. Yeah, We'd be you're going out. Like, We'd be like, we probably would have had like... Had sex and stuff at a really young age. Absolutely. It would have been fun and we would have been relaxed and things like that. But you're but like worried about what other people oh, think about not it. Not just worried, like consumed by yeah, it. Yeah, consumed That's by what it. high school is. That's and why like, it's so terrible. Oh, it's awful. It's a horrible place. And uh, middle school is where I... The middle school is even worse, it's I think. Ter- it's the, That's it's when I first started thinking about killing terror. myself. It's terror. Yeah. I mean, middle school is so bad that Wait, I was like, I you, just... You, if you, this is life... You grew up in Detroit? No, I grew up in uh, Westchester, New York. Westchester, okay. Yeah. So you grew, you grew up in Westchester, which is like a... That's upstate or no? It's a little outside New York City. Okay. It's so, just above the city. So it's kind of cool. Wait, Westchester, yeah. yeah. There's like rappers from Westchester, right? From Yonkers, yeah. Okay. Lady Gaga's also from yeah. Yonkers. Like, I think DMX is from Yonkers. I did not grow up in, in Yonkers. I was in Yonkers this year shooting something and it was like, this place is kind of... kind of kind of. It's, it's it very wild. it's very interesting. It What's is interesting, not smooth. It is oh no, not rough. at all. Yonkers is definitely rough. Um, what's funny about Yonkers is Westchester is like has a lot of like suburban stuff going on. Right. Yonkers is the biggest city in Westchester, but talked about the least. Okay, if that makes sense. Like yeah. it's like a little like. I came from a very white Jewish bread place. Okay. And that's... <laughs> Jewish bread. Yeah. Like, it's like uh-huh. very... I guess that would be rye. White Jewish bread. Yeah. Rye. Um, but, uh, but it's not talked about as much, even though Yonkers yeah. is enormous. Um, it's interesting. Well, you went, you grew up there and you went to middle school there. Oh, yeah. And, and high I just school wanted there. to fucking kill myself. So, what were you into? Because you're really into music. Like, we have very similar tastes as far as music goes. Yeah. I, I, you know, we don't really wear it. 
No, we don't. I, yeah. I was, uh, when I was a kid though, I basically, for similar reason we were just talking about, I played a lot of sports. Okay. And weirdly, before you had to prep, you know how there was like a time where before people started actively working at things, they were just naturally good at that. Some kids, right. oh, you can just draw really well. Or right, right, you're right. really good at the oboe and you don't, you don't <laughs> have to practice, you know, whatever. I just happened to be good when I was eight at sports. No way. What sports? At, at, um, almost all of them, <laughs> except for football because I was too scared. Okay. But like all the sports where you could run and it took a little bit of instinct, okay. you know, like I was very good and I, I don't deserve it. it. I don't know why. I just was good at like tennis, soccer, uh, golf and like other and like a sort of basketball ball sort of baseball <laughs> but but i wasn't but but my personality was not cool i was yeah. very nervous i had a very high voice and they constantly teased me for it <laughs> i was very like effeminate and had a lot of feelings and like i've right. always been very like i always I, I very much identify as a man but i'm also like is there like some weird gender stuff with me i, I not weird but like i don't know if i'm entirely a man like i always right. have felt very although it's a little unfair because I don't mean that women are feminine. Like femininity is a whole different thing. But in the way that people standardly look at it, I've it's, always felt a little different than just male. I think there's like the, there's a sliding scale. I think with uh, even with sexuality, yes. where some people are super hetero, some people are super gay, and some yeah. people kind of there's there's a lot of space in between to be. And I definitely whatever. feel on that scale. I definitely feel on that scale, yeah. gender wise and sexuality wise. And so I felt very odd, but because I was good at sports, I would like my friends were sort of cool because uh-huh. they played sports and that's what was cool when you were growing up is the people who were good at sports, you yeah. know? And then, um, I just didn't, I didn't care about it. So I didn't work very hard at it. So I, as we got older, I just wasn't very good. And like, I was like weird and I was like, I always felt very odd at practice and they would like call me names at practice and stuff well, like that. They call you at practice. You know the name. You know what I mean? Like, like whatever you, you know, whatever okay. kids get what teased What if there's as. like a specific one? Well, actually, it, beyond uh, sexuality remarks, they did constantly make fun of how huge my head is. Okay. Because that's when So I Married an Axe Murderer came out in, I think, oh. 1994. So it's like Heed, Move Now, yeah. you know? And that was called Heed. I used to say, I thought it was Heath. It's Heed. Because big oh. head, like like head, Heed. Oh, I always thought his name was Heath. Like, Heed. Heed. Move Now. <laughs> I'm glad we covered this up yeah. before you oh, died. Great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, but, uh. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that was weird. And then I think. I grew up, it's weird, I grew up in this, like, liberal suburbs, but what's weird about liberal Jewish suburbs is they're wildly conservative, oh, they man. just vote Democrat. Yeah, that's a thing, it's such a funny thing, that stuff is, Wildly everywhere. conservative people. Conservative. But they're just not, they, they act conservative, but they vote liberal, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, they want to be good, mm-hmm. but they want that stuff to happen, want to happen elsewhere. elsewhere. Yeah. That's like that great George Carlin joke, where he basically... Basically, he summarizes the entire environmental movement in five minutes. But he's like, environmentalists don't want to help the earth. They want to, they want to help the part of the earth that they live in. They want it to be, they want it to be nice where they are. And it's just, it's all, it's all the thing where, yeah, sure, we want to have, um, we want to feed the homeless, but to feed them over, right. not in our neighborhood. We have property values we have to maintain. I mean, right. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna move in here. I don't. I mean, I I love. I'm I've give to to the the Negro College Fund, but right. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that they haven't been cutting their yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, it's absolutely. So, yeah, that's the same because in Minnesota it's very much that way. Where it's, oh, I'm sure. But it's way more uh, passive. It's this. Everyone's very. 
It's everything's so passive aggressive. It's incredible. It's like it's like that's the national pastime in the Midwest. Well, that's how I feel about. I, I lived in the South for a little while, and like I lived in Nashville, and that's how I felt it was a little bit there. Like really? it's like very much like, listen, we this is how things are. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It works for us, and it's like this very bizarre sort of. In a way, it's better. In a way, it's worse. Kind of way, but like it's just like yeah, hey, this is just how things are. This, let mm-hmm. people be. But then that stalls progress forever. I mean, it depends what you want. If it you want people thing. constantly yelling, like in New York, or do you want them kind of like you know we all get along, but we respect the borders, kind of right. thing. Very weird. It's tough. There's, it's tough to find a happy median, and maybe maybe there isn't one. Sometimes I think that because we live in such a uh, we live in a pretty uh, amazing society. There's we have the least amount of war. That's ever been in the history of the history of time. We are so incredibly affluent, so we get to have these problems that are really top tier problems. Like as much as as much as racism is terrible, it's kind of we're kind of lucky to be having calm conversations oh, about the I nature mean, of, of what, what words you can use because we're we're so lucky, we're so safe that we can right. we can say that kind of stuff. We can have problems about. It's true, and what's yeah. weird about it is like. But it's interesting because absolutely it's definitely the best it's ever been. Yeah. But it's still awful for so many people. Yeah. And like oh, it's, it's so still, many people. Yeah, it's still, I mean I meant more for us, like for the for Westerners, for oh, Americans. No it's just, question. Yeah. No question. It's just bizarre because it's like it's like that thing where uh it's like right now in history. It's better for women than it's ever been. It's still right. a nightmare. Right. But what people because it's the best it's ever been, people go, "Hey, listen. Relax a little. You know, yeah. stop yelling. It's the best it's ever been and that's just stops progress. It's very confusing. It's very hard to figure out exactly what to do or who to listen to. Cuz sometimes you're just like, I know there are problems, but I would love to just like drink or smoke right now and relax and watch mm-hmm. a movie and not think about it. There's just so many things cuz media has changed the nature of what we are aware of. Yeah. To the extent where there's at no point something you can't be angry about or worried about. Right. I, someone said... It's oh, terrible. What quote was it? Like, you should... Oh, like, you should... Oh, if you're watching, you should always be a little bit angry. You just should never be bitter. Oh, Maya Angelou. She I was did? watching okay. an old video of hers. But the thing is, is like, I guess what real privilege is, is to not be forced to feel angry all the time. And I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I am really upset with a lot of stuff, but for me, it's like, I'm not really oppressed. And so it's like no, at all. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, it's weird. It's like, I, I guess my real privilege is that I don't have to go to bed thinking about how someone yelled something at me on the sidewalk. I yeah. guess that's what it is. Or you have to, you have to go to, you can go to bed without having to worry about what you're going to eat the next day. Right. Or if someone's going to uh, come into your house with a machete and yeah. chop your wife's breast off or something yeah, yeah. like something fucking utterly inhumanly terrible. Yeah. Yeah. We're just so divorced from it. It's pretty, uh, yeah. But yeah, there's also that thing you could, you could say that, uh, but with that privilege, it's like you, you should enjoy it. You well, that's the other <laughs> thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing where I realize my limit is like I am mostly out here yeah. trying to have it basically what's close to a hedonistic good life. <laughs> I'm not someone who's I'm not going to fuck a ton of people or go crazy with like heroin or all that shit. But I'm basically trying with comedy to hit that like kind of perfect little note where you can live absurdly right. and on your own terms and make enough money to not worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of trying to be very selfish right now. And I've morally, 
I have come to a place morally where I figured out how I can deal with that emotionally and be like, I'm not helping kids, but mm-hmm. I can, but I can still justify it. But it is a little dicey. If you think, if you think about it too much, you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. I should try and be helped. But I am really just trying to have a great time. Yeah. It's, it's a tough thing to figure out what to do. Yeah. It really is. Let's take a quick break. Okay. We're going to take a quick break with guest Jake Weissman here on Twisting the Wind. A word that I was mushed together to make it sound like it's not the word that it is. Okay. You're listening to Twisting the Wind. Please donate to the podcast or buy shit using our Amazon.com portal. Thank you. Check the website. Check the fucking website. Check the fucking Feral Audio website. The Jnobin Omtenhauer. And he was there, and then you had it. And we're back here on Twisted Will, which I am. How you been? I peed again. That's great. Just like I said, I would. Well, that's pretty good because we talked for 45 minutes just Was now. that 45? 45 minutes. Man, amazing. I know. See? There you go. I don't know. What's going on? Uh, so you grew up in New York and then you went to high school there and it was terrible because high school is terrible. But then you, where'd you go to college then? Went to school in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And then I What's moved. What's that? You went to? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yeah. I used to grew up. <clears throat> our neighbors who were older kids, every single one of their kids went to Vanderbilt. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I went to them. Vanderbilt. I can't, I can't really explain why I went. I wanted to not be around Where what grew I grew up. up. Yeah, yeah. But it was like very, I liked Vanderbilt in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it was a different kind of awful and kind of a waste of money. Although I think what I realized now recently, I was talking about with Dave Ross today uh-huh. about this. Uh, I was talking about how, I was an English major and I've gotten a few writing jobs and doing stand-up. I might actually use my English degree, <laughs> which is probably, I'm probably part of the 1% right. in the world that got English degrees that will use them. If I keep making money, which I've made a lot, but if I do, I'll be very proud that my father spent that money right. on the degree and that I will make something of it. I will really feel like a life accomplishment. Like, oh, you did it. You actually used it. Just really delayed, but you did. I think that the English major is actually a great major it's almost like being a generalist. Yes. Because people say, oh, you never use it. No, actually, you use it all the time because yeah. it just makes you smarter. And it's like majoring in being smarter. <laughs> yeah. Dave was a psychology major and he said he's pretty Same much thing. doing it too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it just takes a while. Liberal arts degrees, people like to make fun of them, but they definitely help. And also going to college, I think the main education, unless you're doing engineering school, the main education is just a social education. Social and how to lie. Yeah. How to lie, uh, how to produce good lies that are solid, that are presentable and that people, you know, they'll hold hold water, they'll stay afloat for a long time after you don't need them anymore. It's about about lying. Where'd you go to school? Went to Florida State. Oh yeah. FSU, Florida State, Tallahassee. I applied there, got accepted, went down. But just like, why even... But weren't you in Minnesota? Yeah, I wanted to go to film school. I thought I was going to be a, a oh, director. Oh, FSU has a great school. They have a film school. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if any film school is a great film school oh, because yeah. I think I mean, yeah. by nature, uh, if you go to film school, you end up making movies like that one Nick... There's some Nick Cage movie that was really bad where he's driving that car. It's called like Overblast or Driver, Driver Boy. Mm-hmm. It's so terrible, but it also looks really good. And I'm thinking... That's what a lot of... This has to have been a film student who made this movie. Right. Because it's just so good, but it's fucking terrible. Right. But I didn't, I didn't accept it to the film school, which was great. Because I feel like if I had, it would have... 
destroyed my sense of humor. T- yeah, you have a very specific comic sensibility, and I, I think that it's good you had to find it on your own. Oh, yeah, because if you go to that sort of thing, you become among people who are in a way in a way you're right things like that shouldn't be taught you're right like it's almost like a class like that would be like okay cool we're going to teach you how to use the camera Mm -hmm. now do whatever you want to do and do it a million times and then you graduate well that's what it is because it's a it's a trade thing you're learning how to do just not so much the the creative aspect of it i think is pretty a small percentage of it. it's more about they're almost teaching you how to be like a tv director director or a director of sequels or or something uh, like that uh, working in sound recording or being a cinematographer, which is right. great. Right. But I don't think I want to do that shit, mm-hmm. man. Because I want to be a jackass. I want to poke shit. Do it. Do the opposite of what you tell me to do. Do you want to direct? I'd love to. Yeah. I think that's a thing where it's it'll happen when it's when it's time. It's funny. I when I came out here when I was twenty two, I was like, I want to direct. Yeah. I could not want to direct less now. <laughs> like I try to make a lot of different things, yeah. a lot of videos, a lot of things. Try to I write a lot of stuff. I literally. The only thing I don't want to do is direct. I like don't. I have no. I'm so because it is so. Although I respect people who want to do it. Right. When you really understand what directing is, most of the time it's so stressful. Stressful. And it's on you, and it's like it's hard. You will be asked to direct something because of that statement you just made. Right. You will be. It'll happen. I'm predicting it right now. In the next seven years, you'll <laughs> be directing something, and it will be super easy for you and really fun, and it'll be a great product because that's how it is. It's always the thing. I mean, as much as Clint Eastwood is kind of a moron, he's also a great director for that same reason. Because if you're right. a good actor, you can direct well because you're just comfortable in that situation. Right. He's so good at directing actors. He sure is good at that, man. It's so weird how he's such a such a weird fucking bozo a, Republican curmudgeon in real life, but he's like sometimes such a softy in some sense. Once in a while, when I really want to have hope in America, uh-huh. I go to the moment where he spoke to the chair at the RNC, yeah. and I go, "Holy shit!" Like, I'm definitely glad I'm not in that camp of the view of the world. Right. Like, like, that's like, like I, at least uh, how dumb I am or whatever I believe, at least I'm not that because that is wrong. Like, right. whatever that was, that was the craziest shit of all time. And I'm just very glad I'm not him. But I, you know what I think about Clint Eastwood? It just makes me have this appreciation for America in the sense that, or I was watching The Twilight Zone with my girlfriend and my roommate the other day and thinking about Rod Serling. I lo- he's what the I, guy. He's the he's, he, yeah. The he's the Twilight's and creator and all right. that shit. I, and he had a very interesting life. Apparently, he was a real that. dick to his kids. He was wow. a paratrooper. Megan was telling me all this stuff. What the? But f- a brilliant guy and apparently wow. a real asshole. But like an impresario, like amazing. And I think that America and entertainment. What I do like about entertainment, even though it's a little awful for some people, is you do have wildly interesting personalities who have had crazy, almost. Americanized Werner Herzog lives. Yeah, like, like, surreal. Like, just, surreal like, how did you do all that? You're so... Right. None of the things you do make sense with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a cool thing about entertainment is you meet people, you're like, what a horrible human being who has done amazing things. Or even also the other way around to it. What a, like an amazing person yeah. who is just also done amazing things or or, or made terrible yeah made yeah. made terrible entertainment but they're like a wonderful yeah it's very yeah there's a lot of people who make terrible terrible things but they're just like the best person yeah and there's also people who 
are shitty and make shitty things. I like think that's Michael an interesting Bay. thing too. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, but I don't know. I kind of like a lot of Michael Bay products, man. It's like it's like not liking McDonald's. If you say you don't like McDonald's, you're lying. Well, but I think with Michael Bay, similar to McDonald's, when you were a kid, you liked like The Rock is awesome, you know, yeah. and even Bad Boys is fun, and and I forget something else. Oh, well, Armageddon. I don't know. Well, they're but all it, fun. They're all. But fun. then the more you eat McDonald's, it starts to hurt your stomach. Yeah, exactly. As you get older, you're like, oh, now I actually can't do this, or yeah. I have to shit for four hours. That's such a big. That's such a such a total thing that people never talk about it's everyone always acts like if you like a shitty movie that means you only like shitty movies or if you eat mcdonald's it means right. you only eat mcdonald's right i fucking love having a filet of fish putting those french fries on <laughs> there and having a, a strawberry shake but i do that maybe at the most once a month right. <laughs> and at the most and same with yeah i do like that about getting older too it, speaking about music Oh, maybe we weren't talking about the podcast, but oh, we just did talk about it. We're talking about we have a little yeah. out there. What, what I have found very pleasurable about getting older as well is I like pop more than I ever did before. Honestly, man, when I was younger, I fucking... I, You're ashamed. You're getting ashamed. Not of... only was ashamed, but I think I convinced myself I didn't like yeah. it. But now, I mean, I still love the same esoteric, mm -hmm. not even esoteric, but just like weird stuff. You like esoteric. It's okay to be I, I like esoteric yeah. stuff big time. Sincerely like it. Like, I really like mm -hmm. it. But I also, honestly, I fucking jam out to Taylor Swift too. I'm a Swifty. It's like good. I fucking love it. It's great. It's produced. It's awesome. And I, I feel like such a relief that honestly, most songs that come on whenever I'm in someone's car on the radio, there's like a 90% chance I'm going to be thrilled it's on. You know what I mean? And I think that's such a difference from like the 20% before. Yeah, it's it, like, oh, my life is so much better now. It took me so long to get to a point where I felt that way. To, to for where I felt where uh, the things that I like, ironically, I really do just like them. Like I love, fuck, I still love Creed. I still think Creed is really? so, it's just fun to listen to, even though it's everything about it's terrible, but it's not. I just, I'm just not, I don't have any shame in it whatsoever because it's just, I only, I only listen to four songs. No, no. But the I, four songs. Dude, I, I fucking get it. That happened yeah. to me today. I was at a coffee shop and uh, the Foo Fighters came on. Mm -hmm. I happen to think the Foo Fighters are very bad, but. Some songs. But some just, songs are so good. And I went And I just listened. I went on Spotify and I listened to the top four over and over and over again. And I was like, yeah, fucking yeah. <laughs> Everlong, so fuck yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This is awesome. Yeah. And I just got so psyched. And I was like, this is definitely bad music, but I love it. You know what right. I mean? I fucking love it. And I just love that. I'm, I, I think the older you get, you're more aware of your mortality and you're thrilled that anyone did anything that allows you to feel good. Right. Like, I just want to enjoy just all the amazing shit. That is happening. Toxic. Oh, I love toxic. Yeah. Or any, slave for you. Oh my god. It just feels. It's it's like you, it's a, it's a milkshake. So it's yes. not something you eat all the time. No. But you shouldn't feel bad about having it sometimes because that's what makes something good is that you don't have it all the time. And also, you don't choose what you like. It you chooses don't. you. It's the yeah. same thing as sexuality. You don't you don't fucking choose it. It's right. just like you you have no control over what your ear likes to hear. I mean, you may not have been exposed to much stuff. You may be right. ignorant to things that are interesting or fearful of liking things that are different. But yeah, you don't choose. By the time you get older and you move to any sort of metropolitan mm -hmm. place, it's like, oh yeah, everyone's just doing what they doing what they like. But there's still a lot of people. There's still tons of people who take that to the fucking grave. They take their fear of uh, being persecuted or called out for liking something that is what you like though you're faggot what well that's why i, I actually think comedy is helpful for that mm -hmm. especially in a place like la where it's like we meet a lot of interesting people yeah. i mean a lot of like with very different views and very different upbringings different sexualities gender identities right. it makes you a better person you just can't you're just more aware of everything yeah 
it, it's it definitely does. What is some uh, what is some music stuff you've been uh, some esoteric stuff you've listened to? Well, this isn't esoteric, but who I've been listening to lately is do you ever do you listen to alt country at all? I love it. Do you? Oh, well, this isn't. I mean, he's more popular now, but Jason Isbell. Do you listen to Jason? I don't know Isbell? who he is. Oh my god, man. what's an album? Um, Southeastern. Southeastern. With it, Jason Isbell. it was okay. very successful with critics this last year. Got it. This guy was a, a a songwriter and a member of Drive By Truckers for a long time. Okay, I didn't really care that much. This isn't that esoteric, but I will say. This album, Southeastern by Jason Isbell, is wonderful. Okay. It's like it's like really classic American songwriting, but done in this beautiful way that kind of everyone can like. Right. It's very honest. He was like a he was a coke addict. He was a he, he's like a child prodigy almost, who then fucked up in that old country way that like Waylon Jennings and all those people did. Yeah. Right, right. All those people did. It's kind of like modern almost Waylon Jennings a little bit, but just Ooh. a little more. It's like Neil Young. It's you like got, that you kind of vein. Guess what? You got me. <laughs> you got to listen to it. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's I'm fucking really, that's, incredible. I love Waylon. And it's, um, Waylon's the best. Lonesome, yeah. Ornery, and Mean, that whole fucking oh, album is the yeah. best. Um, but anyway, this is kind of like an update. It's it's singer songwritery. Um, Justin Towns Earl, do you know that guy? He's Steve Earl's son. Uh-uh. He's great. And they're like friends. They play in each other's groups. But I've been listening to a lot of alt country lately, which when I lived in Nashville, I got into that, like Son Volt and Uncle Tupelo not. and that kind of yeah, stuff. It's, it's beautiful, wonderful, mm-hmm. incredible music. And I've listened to a lot of stuff kind of in that in that vein or what Lydia Lovelace I've heard, Lydia yeah. Lovelace yeah, Lydia Lovelace. Lovelace it's kind of the same thing like mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of that stuff Got recently it. I've just been in that mood and like it's very it's pleasant but I'll tell you this similar to what you said earlier it took me a very long time before I ever listened to lyrics mm-hmm. and I find sometimes there's very it's a very specific kind of brilliance that it takes in a songwriter to get me to pay attention to the lyrics yeah Jason Isbell is one of those people okay and um it, it very I very much go like oh I'm learning something here like mm-hmm. I'm listening this like this really enhances the song and it enhances the way I feel and it gives me a very specific feeling um I've also really like I like a lot of um european dance music cool um like a lot like todd terje do you know todd no. terje oh my god Wait, is that with like a j in his last name yes yeah i think i have uh j-e okay um and uh he is so amazing <laughs> his latest album i'm forgetting it's party time i forget what it is but it's time, so huh? good and he has a single called inspector norse that came out a while ago which is literally one i would listen to there's a last song i listened to before i pulled up here to do this podcast todd terje it especially summer it's this beautiful (laughs) he has such a fun view of music but also it like really is beautifully composed like that's what a lot of i think people don't realize about dance music especially from europe they're basically composers who like to dance like there's genius composition going on oh yeah it's just there's a dance beat they like to have fun but they're like really brilliant Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like almost modern classical just with a beat okay that's a good comparison that's kind of how i feel about a lot of dance music yeah it's like i used to be very against dance music and then one of my best friends he was a dj from detroit he grew up with that stuff he had an electronic record store and stuff like that that's the best stuff everything from the midwest all the best techno and you know he grew up in detroit so he really knows his stuff and that stuff is totally misrepresented as annoying it's like oh they're just idiots they just do e and that stuff it's like no they there's like amazing music going yeah there's there's so much good stuff from detroit that is uh oh it's so fucking what are you listening to um right now i don't know i'm trying to think here i just god this is always the worst question because i was never prepared to answer that question i think 
Well, I got this France, uh, Francis Bebe record. It's this African electronic guy. It's really weird. Some of it's really droney. Some of it sounds just, some of it sounds kind of bad, but the stuff that's good sounds so much. It sounds like something that I would make if I was him. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You can make people like that sound? Because a lot of times in the podcast here, I'll do weird droney shit with a drum machine and with the with this vocal processor I have and it's really I'm doing it for myself because I like the way it sounds it's like humming or something else I just like the way it sounds and I if someone were to listen to it or to hear it I would be incredibly embarrassed except for like little excerpts of it but it really is just I find it pleasant to hear like bass harmonies and that's what he's doing a lot of times with his voice and I was like when I first heard it I couldn't fucking believe that someone else did that and people like it so that guy uh Shit, there's a band called The Groundhogs. It's someone, actually a fan of the podcast hit me to a while ago, and I just started listening to them again. They're like this, uh, like a 70s British band. Sounds kind of like Sabbath, but more blues influenced, and like meets the Stranglers, kind of. I don't know how to describe it. They're, they do a lot of these weird guitar uh, arpeggios that are uh, arpeggio harmonies, and it sounds a little bit like Nick Lowe, some of that. Like that, that one Nickelo album, "Cruel to Be Kind," is that it? You know that Nickelo? I'm not. I don't know much about Nickelo. It's fucking good. It's like one of the best. It's one of the best sort of. I don't even know what genre that is. It's like a an early indie pop kind of thing. He, you know about him at all? He, I mean, I know who he is, yeah. but not much. I mean, he's a one of those guys who is a producer more than anything else. So that he's produced some huge, like every Elvis Costello record he's produced, but. He's one of those guys. I feel like a lot of people end up liking are producers and not musicians. Right. They don't even realize it, though. Yeah. Like, they, they don't, they're not even aware they like producers. Yeah. Like, there's this guy, Alan Toussaint, who's produced all, every great New Orleans hit record in the 60s and 70s. He's got a couple of great albums, and that's the same thing, where he's produced way more records than he himself has written, and the ones that you listen to are, they're not, they're not, they're not the same caliber, the same, like, uh, tone as the hits, but they're still really great because just the way they, the nature of the production. Same with like, I feel like Lee Perry is the same way. I've been listening to a lot of Lee Perry, I guess, lately. If you could, yeah. if you had to choose between going blind or deaf, what would you do? Blind. You would go blind? Guaranteed, yeah. I've, what about you? Well, when I was younger, I would have said that it's tough. When I was younger, I would have said I would rather go deaf. But it yeah. is amazing you get older, you realize how, what, that music really is the best part of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's like kind of. Well, sound. Yes, sound. Sound waves. Sound waves for sure. Mm -hmm. Music, though, I mean, it's it'd be very hard to live without it. There's a lot of people who are diametrically opposed to what you just said. They feel like it's the exact opposite. Of course. There's also always people, you you forget there's a lot of people who really generally just don't find music that interesting. And I, I was thinking about this the other day, how I think that there's pretty much two camps of people in the world just to break to be like super <laughs> what do you call that uh reductive and but I think that you can kind of break it down between people who like uh like music and people who don't because I'm always better friends with somebody regardless of what they uh like what, what everything about them if someone's like an asshole or if someone's just an abrasive personality or any any type of thing if that person and I have some similar musical taste there's just we could we can drive across the country and it's not going to be that bad as opposed to someone who on paper like you guys are going to get along great but they just don't like the same they just don't care yeah uh, i find that you know it's interesting like there are certain things like that that things that like like, for instance, like some people love food so much, right? right. They, they, I mean, you'd call it a foodie, which is an annoying term right. because everyone's foodie, but I think it's a Joe Mandy joke. But regardless, yeah. it's like 
but I'm one of those people. Right. I don't care about food. I'm a vegetarian for cholesterol reasons, though it's become more stuff. But I like don't. I like good food. I like how stuff tastes. As I've gotten older, I guess I a little more care. But in general, food, like some yeah. people talk about it constantly. They research <laughs> restaurants. Yeah. They go out all the time to new restaurants. They know who the chefs are. And I'm literally like, I could eat at the same three places <laughs> my entire life. And I am 100% sure I'd be okay with it. Yeah. And But for music, I need constant new things. I need to be revisiting old stuff all the time. And I can't live without it. In the same way, some people need that for food. Yep. And I just... So I kind of almost get, I don't see how you could do it for, without music, but for food, it's that way for me. I'm like, oh, I don't, I'll just eat some bread and go. I yeah, don't, I just I, don't who hear cares? it. Like, right. I think maybe it's the bowel thing. It's like food is just <laughs> related to like the bathroom and it's yeah. like uncomfortable for me. Food just right. leads to problems almost. So I don't care, but, but I, man, music, it's like. Do you ever have that thing where you kind of forget? That uh, you haven't listened to music in a little bit and you, you feel bad. You're like, why do I feel kind of shitty? I feel like <laughs> sort of ennui or kind of just not, just sort of uh, kind of drab. And sometimes I, that happens to me and then I realize, oh, I just haven't listened to something awesome in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Like I have to listen to something awesome. Otherwise, well, I get d- depressed. It's kind one of. of those things where, I don't know how you, but like, music is one of those things where it's not like TV because... It's not TV can really rot your brain a lot of ways. I mean, TV is wonderful, but music is kind of like you can kind of always listen to it, mm-hmm. and it's not bad for you. Yeah. It's like it's a very rare thing. It's yeah, almost it's like true. good candy. It's yeah. like kind of always going to help you because it's great. It's uh-huh. just like this unreal gift that also the fact that humans can enjoy music is such a crazy gift. It's like it's kind of how I feel about pot a little bit. Pot's different, but. Pot, I think, is is a very good drug for a lot of people. And it's just like, whoa, I can't believe that it's on this earth and it's really not that destructive for people. No, I mean, some people take it too all. far. But some people take anything too right. far. Right. I mean, you could obviously yeah. get tinnitus from listening to music or whatever. Right. But in general, there's a few things where you're like, wait, I can just do this forever? Like, yeah. this is great. I can listen to music until, oh, that life is pretty good. Like, right. no matter what, it's like, that's fucking great. That'd be the worst thing about going to jail, probably. You couldn't listen to the music you wanted yeah. to, you know? That's, well, I mean, well, other stuff, of, too. Yeah, a lot of stuff. But that is, like, a big part of it is isolation. Yeah. But maybe you could have a... There's this great band called Johnny Bragg and the Prisoners. It was these black dudes, I think, in Memphis in, like, the 50s or something. They were prisoners. Made some of the most pretty music you'll ever hear. It's like it's, it's, it's doo-wop stuff, but... Man, it's fucking good. But they're in prison. So there's, they got to sing together, at least. That's but, cool. Yeah. Do you, you ever think about what your life would be like uh, if we lived before recorded music? Would you be like a person who... I so can't relate. I, I, I've, I've thought about that before. Because we live in a pretty special era where we have... Very special. ...so much access to recorded music... I feel like... Anywhere, well, all the time. I and mean, people forget about this, but we are the Napster generation, and that just is like proliferating. You know right. what I mean? Like, that's just like... It's like this manifest destiny with so, like... Right. And so like like music just is going to be free forever and that sucks for a lot of musicians but for consumers it's amazing and it's just like oh i can literally listen to pretty much anything i want whenever i want to if you do not appreciate that for a minute before it's just the most before like we have it in our just just like in her or something you just have anything you want you should just be like this is so much better than our parents lived Mm -hmm. i mean this is unfucking believable that we get to do this and um it makes me so happy it makes me so fucking happy. I love it so much. Yeah. It makes me so fucking happy that you can listen to any music you want. It's like you you won. Right. You won. 
It can be, I find it bewildering at times though, because you're just, there's so much, so much option, so much choice. It's like a cheesecake factory menu or times 10, where it's just, you get, I get a lot of times where I, I just get so confused. I don't know what to listen to. You get so paralyzed, I, yeah. Yeah, I have to limit myself. Well, it's myself. like Netflix. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, you can't choose one thing. You can't you know, choose one I, thing, so you choose nothing. Or like a menu. It's like, on a menu, if there are a hundred options, it's a nightmare. If mm-hmm. you have five options, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a we- it's like this overprivileged thing where you're like I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I just want but yeah, but I love that it being and I said hate I still it. love it. I still yeah. love it. <laughs> I do love it, but I also hate it at times cuz it's that same thing where I have a huge record collection. Like I have so many I don't have a giant record collection, but I have a fucking massive amount of records and it's a thing where I can only listen to so many records so right. often. And I'll be digging through the back catalog sometimes, and I'm like, oh, this one, oh, this one, oh, this one. I've just totally forgotten about them because you can't, I can't see, you can't wear every t shirt at the same time kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So it's that. I started giving away all my stuff a few years ago because um, I wanted to appreciate things when I had them. Right. Because I started giving away movies and CDs and records, like, and giving them as gifts and stuff like right. that. And just because I like, had I love so many things that I was like, but I'll never listen to it. Once I have it, it's like it's over. Yeah. It's almost like a, a sexual conquest when I when you're young and stupid. You know yeah, what I mean? You check out the list. Yeah, and then but now when I but now when I get something, I go, I'm gonna listen to that right now. I'm gonna really appreciate this yeah. as opposed to like I got a Graham Parker record. Uh, you know, I fucking love Graham Parker, but I I bought it this I forget what it's called, but the one with Discovering Japan on it, which okay. is one of my favorite songs of all time. But like. Although he's weirdly conservative and psycho, is he? but I, he is, but he's amazing at music. Right. And like, uh, but I, I was like, I, I, once I got the record, I w- hunted for that record mm-hmm. and then I got it. And I never listened to it again. And now when I see Graham Parker, I'm like, gotta listen to it fucking now, right now. Let's yeah. do, I'm never going to waste the opportunity to listen to Graham Parker. And, uh, I don't know. I, it just makes it easier for me. I, I wanted less material things so I could appreciate materials more. Yeah, I should do that. I should get rid of some records. I keep saying I'm going to, but it's that whole Very fucking, hard. It's hard because yeah, I've got that collector's mentality where some of those records are there, man. super, I get super it. old and special. Uh, just, I remember when I got it and it's just, yeah. I used to feel that way about Criterion movies. And then okay. I, just, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give this away. Yeah. I'm going to, because I was like, I love it, but like I got like the Antoine Dwinell series. Like, oh, uh, the, the best. It's the best. Oh but then God. I got it and I didn't fa- ever fucking watch it again. That's how, I've done the same thing where you. That, and that's why I stopped getting stuff because I'm like, I don't appreciate, I just now have this and now it's like, well, I know what who Antoine Dwinell is as a fictional character, you know, mm. so that's all I really. Antoine I guess, Dwinell, Antoine yeah. Dwinell, Antoine Dwinell, Antoine mm. Dwinell, Antoine. <laughs> all of them are good. They're all so five are good. good. We're talking about the Francois Truffaut. What's the name of the series? What is the series called? I don't know. It starts with the 400 Blows and it goes to... Stolen Kisses Stolen or something like Baiser that? Verleur. I forget the I mean, all five, but yeah. I've watched them all, all and they're good. fucking wonderful. Oh, what is it? The, the... Jean-Pierre Leo, the main actor. Oh, he's amazing. We're getting fucking epic levels of pretension here. No, but I mean, but it's Truffaut true. is like the best. It's great because those movies, they're not pretentious. That's the weird thing you think about. Oh, French cinema pretension. They're super easy to watch. They're real basic narratives. They were they're all not, about entertainment. Yeah, they're not. They're not at all experimental. Really, I guess they were. To well, some Godard extent. is. Yeah, Godard is more. But, but like, but but I find Truffaut like I, what I like about a lot is they just they're like John Hughes movies. Yeah, but French. Yeah, they yeah. really are. That one, uh, Stolen Kisses. That's a fucking great movie, man. Oh. Such a movies. fun idea, too. Yeah. We have so many things to post in the podcast for all you listeners to check out on Amazon.com, to go to the Amazon.com button slash portal on the Twisting the Wind website, and you can 
we'll have all these links for all the things. Uh, what's the name of this? Well, I'll blow chin when you got it. What books did you see? You didn't say any books. You did oh, say books. Do we have any books? I right now, I don't have any. Oh, you know what? You know who one of my favorite people. authors ever is? Donald Antrim. Never even heard of him. Isn't this great? Never even heard of him. I highly recommend checking out uh, Donald Antrim's books. They're very amazing. How do you spell that? A N T R I M. A N T R I M. And it's uh, it's fiction. It's amazing. Yeah, he, <laughs> he mostly is fiction. He did one memoir, but he's an unbelievable, very unique. Writer. What's a great place to start? It's the Hundred Brothers or One Hundred Brothers, but okay. I think it's the Hundred Brothers. It's a genius book. Is it uh, literally about a family with a hundred brothers? Is it sort of in that sort of Daniel Wallace sort of thing where it's uh, what's the name for that? He he gets titled as like he gets considered to be like gothic fiction or something. Uh, fiction that's sort of not psychedelic. What's the word that's like psychedelic? That's mainstream people use. Postmodern. Not postmodern. It's like a thing where you know the movie The Big Fish. Big Fish or The Big Fish? Big Fish. The one with yeah. the um, Star Wars guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With, um, with uh, Ewan McGregor? Liam, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. The, he wrote that book. Daniel Wallace Oh, wrote no, it's not Big like that Fish. at all. It's not like that at okay. all. Okay. It's almost like a little postmodern, but it's pretty amazing. Okay. It's very funny and very dark and weird. And like every sentence like cracks like a whip, but in a very bizarre... I can't explain. He's very different. Okay. I'm going to check that out because I'm sort of in a book. Donald Antrim, I think you would love it. Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, what else? Anything else you want to throw out there before we sew it up? Oh, I'm going to throw this out there. You have to watch uh, Jake's comedy videos. The comedy group known as Women makes some of the most hilarious Thanks, videos. So funny. So funny. So I'll post all those up for you to watch. Man, I appreciate it. They're so great. I love them because they're so they're so snappy and they're so, they're so short and they're so yes. clipped. Well, like, that's, that's like such an important thing that... Ugh, talk about not ruining a good thing. That was the whole concept behind the group is... It's great. If you don't like it, at least it's over fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, get to the fucking joke and get out. Most comedy lingers on shit way too long. I really feel that way. Yeah. Get there and get the fuck out. If you're on screen, you're naturally... It's naturally an ADD thing. Right. Get to the joke and... It, I I would much rather the the joke happen and then literally end the sketch than wrap it up well. Yeah. Just fucking leave me on a laugh and we're done. Thank you. You did your job. Thank you. Endings are the most overrated thing in the entire world. Absolutely. People who complain about endings of a film like are the most privileged people in the who world. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just entertain just me it. and get it over with. Because once it's done, doesn't matter how you sew it up. It just it's, it's like a it's good done. two minute song. Yeah. I always feel like like oh, man, two minute some... songs. Like it's like you always want it to be. This is how I feel about two minute songs that are great. Every single time you have this secret wish that it's two minutes longer, but then you press repeat and you go, oh no, I don't. Yep. Now I can keep repeating it, and that's the whole thing. There's this song by uh, Howard Tate. It's so fucking hard hitting and it's like a two minute, 15 second long song. It's a soul song from the 60s. It just fucking crushes, but I listen to it over and over again because it's that one three second part yeah, I man. just can't hear enough of. Or that talking Dude. head song from uh, Fear of Music, the some like some memories can't shit. The, the ending of that, there's some sort of weird chord that happens that I want to like wrap myself in and walk oh. around like a fucking flying electric blanket. That's how I feel about comedy sketches. If yeah. you can get that to that one <laughs> moment, it's a four second thing yeah. and you just watch it over and over. It's like, try to make it like music mm -hmm. and just get it done and just fucking get to the joke and then you're out and get to the, get to the good part of the song, cut the fat, cut all fat all the time. I don't That's know. why I feel about watching that one video, the one you guys did with the, uh, what's it called? The one with the phone call and the oh, park. Oh, the stuff. The stuff. Watch the stuff, people. Uh, Jake's on Twitter. At Weissman Jake. Weissman Jake. 
Good choice. I, sh- I should have done that. I should have done Pemberton Johnny, but well, it's okay. Uh, watch women comedy. Thank you. What Jenny. about you performing live in a place in the um, next few weeks or something like that? Yeah. Where am someplace, I going to be? Oh, man. I'll, I'm, I'll okay. post about it on Twitter. Got it. Post about it on Twitter. Um, so much things. Thank you for having me on here, Johnny. I love here. you very much. Obviously, always been a fan and we're friends. And uh, it's nice to talk to you. Is there a sound that you've always wanted to make but haven't made today? National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.